Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rugby Tonight podcast. I'm Austin Healy and I'm joined by... Benedict K. Hello, Austin Healy. Hello, Benedict. Lovely to be with you again. This has been our first one for a long time, hasn't it? They replaced you with David Flatman. Rubbish. They also had Hugo Monia as well two weeks before. Rubbish. They separate us. At birth. At birth. At birth. Anyway, it's just a few days before the 2018 Six Nations kicks off. Uh, So we'll be casting our eye from Cardiff to Rome, discussing the breakout players, the contenders, and the tournament's dark horses. In fact, everything to do with this year's Six Nations. Now sponsored by a new bank. I don't think I can mention because other banks are available. We've just been at one, actually. It was very nice, wasn't it? It was a lovely bank. You made an excellent deposit. Thank you. Okay, we'll also be dissecting this week's biggest stories in the world of rugby as Northampton announced the man who hopes to take the Saints to rugby heaven and James Haskell departs from Wasps. That's sad news for them. So, uh, time to uh, kick off, I think, Ben. We may as well start with James Haskell, the brand, the Hask. He's got a book out looking at fitness and health and well-being and he'll have a little bit more time, maybe, if he leaves Wasps. Well, we don't know where he's going to go. The the rumours are he wants to stay in England because he's still chasing... An opportunity to go to Japan in 2019, um, rightly so. He's still involved in the squad. Um, it's a shame for him. I'm sure he would have wanted to to stay at Wasps. The the, the old motto that we hear Lawrence and, and any Wasp players going on about once a Wasp, always a Wasp. Having said that, an opportunity for him. He hasn't been playing that well this year. I think that's fair to say. I think the statistics back that up. He hasn't been his same old uh, self. He's still working just as hard, but the impacts he's having aren't quite as great in the game. So maybe just a, a fresh scene. Um, people unused to his banter, he might, he might get yeah, a bit more might get a laugh. reaction. Might get a laugh. Yeah, but... I've been watching his games recently. And like you said, not at his best, but the thing that strikes me the most about him is he's had a real drop-off in his agility. You know, he's getting stepped a lot easier. Maybe that's the the foot injury sort of manifesting itself a little bit more. Um, Possibly, but sometimes things like that, you you, you miss a couple and then you try extra hard to make that big shot, don't you? And you end up hitting hitting someone a little bit too hard. I think as soon as Wass signed Brad Shields, the writing was on the wall for Haas because we know 
that he wasn't going to be necessarily the cheapest player in their squad. Brad Shields would be a big, big signing, a big chunk out of your salary cap. But there's an opportunity. There are lots of clubs, I'm sure, that would, would look for a player uh, you know, like Hask with that high work rate in the back row. So I'm, I'm sure that his England career and, and, and him staying in the Premiership aren't over. Are we seeing the sort of end of the one-club players now? You know, Matt Banahan almost being arguably, allegedly, forced out of Bath. Was Haskell offered a contract there? Was he given the opportunity to stay and maybe only stay in a bit part? And did he say, no, I want a bit more? So, yes, I, I think that it will be a lot less common unless you're a player that, that the clubs feel that they absolutely can't sort of let you go. The problem we've got now is Has could have remained a Wasp player for the rest of his life. If he'd been the rest of his life, for, well, what yeah, like sixty odd, probably yeah. the rest of his life. If he'd <laughs> been um, able to accept twenty pounds a week as a player, that's that's what it comes down to. The budgets are so tight, the the jigsaw puzzle that everyone has to put into place to stay within the cap is so tight. You have a value, and sometimes your value isn't what isn't that what matches the club, and then that's when you have to move on. Hypothetically, would you pay a sixty-year-old James Haskell twenty pound a week? Yeah. Do you, how many games I a season so. would you yeah, get out could, of him? He's fit. He could pick up the kit. He could, you know, I think Hass has got a big future as a 60-year-old. Kit man. Particularly in, you know, what's that, 30, 20, 25 years' time? 60 pounds, that's nothing. He'll still, nothing. He'll still be, <laughs> keep him on. He'll still be doing curls at it, 60. It'd still it'd be showing off in front of the lads. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. in speedos. Okay, uh, other news. Les Kiss, has, uh, he's gone from Ulster. Uh, but I love the way you say that. Les Kiss. Les. Sort of sounds French. I actually said let's, <laughs> but wow. first time wow. I've been rejected by you in a while, to be honest. Well, I'll, I'll get you a box. Uh, one guy's gone, one the director of rugby's off, and a new one comes in for Northampton. Uh, good signing, I think, for them, actually, Chris Boyd. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, we don't know whether that Super Rugby mentality that the Hurricanes were probably one of the most attacking sides in, in Super Rugby. Coming into the Premiership is a little bit of an unknown. Um, you know, rumours, if, if you speak to people that, that know about Super Rugby, that the Hurricanes weren't necessarily that harmonious, which sounds like a bit of a dig at him. It's absolutely the opposite, because if the players aren't that harmonious and he's still getting them to a Super Rugby uh, Championship winning team, that's pretty impressive. You know, if you've got a split in the squad. Um, but a big opportunity, I think, that what will be most interesting is... Um, when uh, Mike Darwin, the, the new Saints chief executive, contacted him and said, look, we'd love you to come. What promises did he make? How much budget has he got to spend? What, how much impact can he have? Because that's the biggest problem for a new director of rugby coming, coming into a team. How, you're almost looking two years down the line before it's actually their team and they're not just inheriting a team. So yeah. can he adapt his style of play to what Northampton already have and how quickly can he choose the players to come in that he can start playing the style of rugby that he wants them to? Well, you mentioned Mike Darbin and the Saints chief exec. He had a chat with us earlier on in the week. Here's what he had to say. And here's why he thinks that all the Saints fans should start getting a little bit excited. We absolutely did go on a worldwide search and we feel like we've landed one of the world-class coaches out there. I think there's a few things about Chris. His track record speaks for itself, you know, particularly his time in Super Rugby with the Hurricanes recently. He's also got a track record of developing and evolving young players and building winning squads. 
one of the things we're going to ask Chris to do is come in and review every aspect of our rugby setup, not just our coaches, but everything we do, because ultimately we want to be successful. Um, the one thing that Chris has made really clear is that uh, the thing that's missing from his CV is experience in the really combative and competitive premiership. And I think he's keen to surround himself with English coaches who know that, that league. Um, and we're excited by that prospect. Yeah, so the Saints are obviously excited about him arriving. Uh, the chairman's very excited. Um, and rightly so. They've had a bit of a tough year, haven't they? Pickamol's gone. They got a bit of cash for him, but they've not performed this year. And now they lose all their England players for several weeks. So it's going to be a tough few weeks for Saints. You not think? <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you were just something up. Well, you thought I was just talking yeah. to myself in my no, own I head. I did. I did. It's very interesting. Actually, I, I was I at the same time, I was saying. Look, it's... You know they they have they have stabilised the ship with um, you know the appointments that they've already made. How long? Uh, uh, you know, Chris Boyd's not coming till the end of next season, um, so they will stay in place. Um, but it will be a, a yeah. It depends on their ambition. I think the ambition of the fans now is come on. We we've won a couple of games. We're we're back on track. I think that will be harder. But I think generally the 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 board and the, and the club might be thinking. We, we now need to build for the future. We've probably suffered from what a few teams have done in the past. You know, England in 2003, where you, your sole goal is to win the big prize, which Northampton did, winning the premiership. And then they didn't have that succession planning. And they just thought that carrying on as they were would continue would continue with them at the top. They fell off a cliff and now it's quite a long climb. We're talking up. about, you know, planning. We see one English coach go and another foreign coach come in. Why are we not producing more English, stroke British, less British, but more English coaches? For the same reason that the football Premier League aren't, because this is the richest league. France is different, but this is this is one of the richest Second leagues. Second then. Yeah, well, it's it's up there, isn't it? You're still buying in players. You still you're still right up there. So, for those clubs, they need in, they want instant success, and so there's still a big challenge when they're choosing their coach of taking a risk on a guy that's an unknown English guy or a guy that's just making his way with England when they could do their due diligence, if you like, and and go to the market and say, well, this guy's won something in Super Rugby. And if you look at it, you know, Ackerman's been great in Super Rugby. He's come into the, the Premiership with Gloucester, done a really good job. Boyd, now a Super Rugby winner, he's been employed. So that I think that has an element to, to it that you almost feel, well, we, we'd love to try one of these English guys, but is it more of a risk? And I think it's wrong. I, yeah, I think no, I mean, it almost more, says more that the other leagues are better, is what they're saying. I, I agree, but, but it is people chasing that success. And if you're a successful English coach... The team that have already got you, i.e. Exeter, uh, Saracens, they're going to do everything they can to keep hold of you. Yeah, you see Rory Teague out in France, though. That's, uh, yeah, sorry, that's bucking exactly. the trend slightly. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Northampton might have gone for Ali Heifer. He's a local Northampton guy, yeah. uh, number two at Exeter. But again, you don't know whether these guys are going to make great number ones. You know, Wayne Smith, everyone's talking about him at the moment. He's working with Italy, and, and the, the All Blacks would have done everything they could to keep him. But as a number two, because I think generally it's accepted, he's better as a number two than a number one. Do you think there's a bit of a corporate arrogance? Because a lot of the boards that, and I'm not having a dig at you with this about board, <laughs> I know I normally am, but there's a lot of boards that have got a lot of businessmen on, right, who don't necessarily understand rugby, but understand the workings of business. And therefore, you're asking them to promote effectively a junior line manager 
to be a chief exec, effectively, of the team. So is that gap the bit that they, they can't see? I genuinely don't think that's arrogance, but 100%. So for me to have a bit of a go back at you, and I'm having a go at myself, as pundits, if you know, the, there is a little bit of an element of if you employ an unknown who doesn't do well, then the likes of you and me will be going, well, what do they take a chance on him? That that's the, That's the problem that those guys making decisions have and why they're reticent but to isn't take a that, risk. Isn't that a better um, or a better position to be in for a board member, taking a chance on someone who's not known than hiring someone that, who is known, paying him more money who doesn't succeed? Which is worse? It depends. Obviously, that, that comes into budget and how much you pay him. Look, I, I think you would probably get more stick for, uh, and, and it's not all about stick, but you would, you, you would leave yourself more open if you had chosen someone who was an unknown and they said, well, what are you taking a punt on him? You're taking a risk with our club on him. Whereas if someone's got that pedigree, that, that's where it comes down to. I'm not saying it's right, yeah. actually. I, I totally agree with you okay. that we, we probably need to do something as a premiership to make sure that more of these young English and, and British coaches coming through get an opportunity. Um, now, I'm, time of the year, I love this time of the year. As a player, as a supporter, as a follower, I love the build-up to the Six Nations. This is all about the first weekend. The first weekend maps out everything, I, I think, mean, for this year's tournament. First game, Wales versus Scotland, will definitely be the most exciting game of the tournament so far because it's the first game. Yeah, good point. But That's why you're a commentator. I, but I think, I think it's huge because Scotland actually go into this as big favourites. Uh, playing, I think, playing at the Principality just because they've had that rise. A new Wales team, stack full of Scarlets, but at the Principality in Cardiff, Scarlets riding high in the in the Pro 14 against basically a lot of the Glasgow players who are riding high in the Pro 14. Yeah. How will Scotland deal with being the favourites when Scotland traditionally I think deal with it pretty well? Traditionally, Scotland have been the underdogs, haven't they? Yeah, and, and they've played Scotland. I thought that performance by the Chiefs against uh, Exeter when uh, Finn Russell and Hogg really stole the show attacking wise, but again. You know, if you were playing Scotland, you'd probably think, well, we, we, we probably don't want to open the game up too much because it plays into their hand. Well, if you're Wales, you absolutely want to open the game up because you're packed full of scarlets. Yep. You've got the likes of Steph Evans, Josh Adams is making his debut on, on the right wing. It could be one of the all-time classics. I can tell you you're actually what, you're working at this game. Are you commentating no. or no, are you no, doing no. anything special? this weekend uh, uh, I am going to uh, Italy I am going to Italy oh yes. lovely well yeah. I think that's another tough game I mean it's one uh, normally at this stage of the year we're always talking about injuries but they don't really matter when you get to the Six Nations do they apart from maybe well, they, Wales the, the problem with the Six, Na Six Nations um, and the only time it becomes an issue is when you stack all your injuries in the same position so Wales have had that problem with half backs and, and uh, back rowers Scotland have their own problem with front, front row forwards row, yeah. Eddie Jones was whinged about his injury list and it turned Turns out he's only got two of the starting team missing um, because Mike Brown's come back, Rob Shaw's come back, so he's only missing Daly and Vunapola from his starting fifteen. All right, Nathan Marla. Hughes from his from his from his. I don't think Marla would have started. I think Vunapola would have started. Okay. So uh, England are in quite quite good shape in in that regard. Um, I still think that uh, it will be a slightly yeah. It, for for England, I think going to Rome, it'll be one of those games where it's tough for the first forty minutes. Um, I think the Italian teams, both in the Pro 14 and in some regards in the European competition, have proved that they're getting better. Uh, but I don't think England 
England will still have a bit of a latent hangover from last year where everything went wrong for them. And that whole excuse about, well, they couldn't deal with uh, Italy. The tackle the, 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 the new tactic, the, you know, the tactics of Italy. That's rubbish. England just didn't play well enough. And that's why it became apparent. Actually, it, England didn't have the ball enough in the first 40 minutes. So the three times they got it and Italy strayed into what we thought was offside positions, everyone went, oh, England can't deal with it. The basic fact was they didn't do well enough. They didn't play well enough. And Eddie Jones will sort that out. Do you reckon they've practiced for that then this week? What happens if a tackle is made and a rook well, isn't formed? They've and changed the laws slightly. I'm sure yeah. they'll be looking at, at new ways that, that Conor O'Shea might have uh, tried to get around some of the laws. One of them might be that the, the the defensive scrum half at a line out coming in and lifting. That's been something that we've seen in a couple of premiership games. But I don't. I just don't think it's going to end up being a talking point. Yeah. So it kicks off Principality Stadium Saturday, two fifteen p.m. It's not on BT Sport, so don't watch it. It'll be <laughs> rubbish. Uh, and then France against Ireland. I think that's a big game again. Four forty-five Saturday, Stade de France. Again, it's not on any of the BT channels, so it will be rubbish. Don't watch it. I think Ireland are, it, are in quite good shape. Yeah, I, I fancy them. Yeah, not well, like not you, like not like in, in, that, in that way. Um, but I, do, I, I think they're just a very tight group and they've managed to transition very well. Uh, the good thing, if you're an English fan, is that that, that game is at Twickenham, which which obviously is a, is a huge advantage, the, the Ireland-England game. But I think France are too soon into that transition um, uh, uh, with, with all that, the whole coaching panel coming in. Uh, the one thing that I'm really excited uh, about seeing for, from a French perspective is Mathieu... Jellybear. Jellybear. The Jellybear. Um, is, is he a Jellybear? He is a Jellybear. What colour is he? But he, he well, is he a strawberry, a um, lemon, a lime? Peachy. Would you go peach? <laughs> I don't think peachy is a flavour in the Jellybears. You know, that's, he's broken the mould. Has he? He has absolutely broken the mould. But he's broken the mould as a 10 as well. You know, I, I've... See, I, I played with George Ford on his first ever game, albeit he was 16. Um, I shouldn't have been playing in the under-17s, to be honest. But I You're a bit old. You had a beard. <laughs> He's got a beard. No, He's too old. I've seen a lot of this young talent come through, and I saw this guy playing 40 minutes. He only played the first 40 against Newcastle in the Challenge Cup. And without a doubt, the, the most exciting talent I've seen as a youngster Play, playing senior rugby he had everything the, the running game but he also had that ability that Ford and Farrell have of, of distributing and putting other people through a hole Okay, I think that'll be a, fa a really good game France versus Ireland but I could see Ireland running away with it and then obviously Sunday Stadio Olimpico Sunday at 3pm Italy versus England. Uh, Eddie Jones's men begin their bid for a third consecutive title in Rome on Sunday. We sent Alistair Eakin along to Peniel Park, their team hotel. It's massive and it's really nice to get the lowdown from Eddie and his squad on how preparations are coming along. That freshness, that, that energy, that zip, how do you create all of that? Uh, well, I think firstly, they've got to be excited about playing for England. You know, it's the... It's the top of the rugby tree, and if you're not excited, you shouldn't be here. So it's a requirement of them to be excited, and, and they've got a chance to do something special. They've got a chance to play some good rugby for England. Joe, here we are again. You've been here many times before. Does it still have the same buzz for you, the same energy about it, the Six Nations? Yeah, massively. So it's, um, it's a great time of year, um, sort of on the eve of a great tournament, a, a tournament full of history, which obviously grew up watching um, Loved watching it as a, as a child, and to play a part in it, to play any small part in it, is um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic, really. What about Italy? Well, I think their fitness levels have improved considerably. Connor's 
work very hard on that. They're still predominantly a forward-based team, although they've added some very good young backs. Yeah, we're, defensively, we're going to have to be good against them. Lots of people talking about the number eight position. Give us an insight into Sam Simmons and Zach Mercer. Yeah, they're, they're two hugely exciting guys. The, the energy they have, um, you look at both of them, the way they played in the Premiership this year, they've been stand-up players for their clubs. and They've come here and they've come here with a smile on their face and, and really trying to get stuck in. They're not, they're not being shy about it. They're, they're trying to put themselves out there and show each training session that they're, they're ready to play. And Sam obviously got a bit of exposure in November and, and I felt he played extremely well. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great, like you said, a few injuries here and there, but what it does give is, is great opportunity for people like them to, to really come in and, and show what they can do. Well, I think it actually gives us opportunities to grow as a team because it allows other players that possibly wouldn't have played for England opportunity. It creates competition for places, you know, as you said, with number eights, we've got Simmons and Mercer competing against each other. You know, we had Vinopolo and Hughes. We know those two are going to come back. Then we've got four number eights to pick from. What do you want this side to have achieved and learnt by the end of March? Well, just to get better every game. You know, every time we, we get together as a team, we want to get better. And, and you know, we want to be the Six Nations champion. We want to be the World Cup champions. And to be that team, you've got to keep on wanting to get better. Most people think that Italy first game is actually quite easy, but you've got to win it, haven't you? It's not going to be as easy as people make out. It's not, but I, I still think England will want the ball in play for a lot of time. I think if that happens, the Italians' um, physical conditioning isn't as good as... And, and Eddie Jones has been, particularly this week, working his players exceptionally hard but also in the lead up to it there's a danger that he's overcooked it and, and there's a bit of fatigue but I expect England to, to pull away um, and, and I also think that they've got some game breakers in that team I'm really looking forward to seeing if he gets the opportunity we had the, when we record this the team hasn't been announced but if Sam Simmons plays at eight he's playing at eight well superb I know I, I, I found Eddie and said he had to pick him excellent well, and Don well, Armand's at seven it's, it's, well he's not is he because he's in our studio Okay. As we speak. Um, but Sam's, Eddie Jones said, I'm not sure if he's big enough to play eight. Uh, I think he is. He's an explosive carrier. And I just think, you know, against Italy, he'll be sent out there to say, this is your one shot. Go out and prove it. And I think he might be the, the difference. I hope he has a pickup because I, I saw him at the start of the season absolutely fantastic. And he looked like a player that had had a brilliant preseason, got super strong, but has just tailed off on the carries a little bit. The grounds are a bit softer. He's not getting the same rebound off his feet. I hope he can bounce back if he does get the opportunity. Um, you know, but you wouldn't put it past Italy to give us a really hard time. What's your predictions then quickly for the tournament? Who are you going to go for? Who's a winner? Who's going to get the wooden spoon? I don't think anyone's going to get the Grand Slam. I think England will win, but they will be pushed all the way. The only reason I'm saying England to win rather than Ireland, who I think are uh, just as much fa favourites, is because that England-Ireland game is at Twickenham. So where do England lose then? Uh, I just think they might pick up a, a, a loss along the way. So I think they could potentially lose up at Murrayfield. All right, OK. Uh, I'm going to go for Ireland winning the tournament with a Grand Slam. Winning at Twickenham? Yeah, winning at Twickenham, final game. Yeah, that's that, that tends how it works, yeah. But, it can, you know, you need three away wins. Uh, three away wins opening weekend starts the tournament off in a great way. OK, so good luck to everyone in the Six Nations. I'll be watching. Ben, you'll be working. Uh, enjoy it. I hope it's uh, profitable. Um, 
Right, final round though of pool matches in the Anglo-Welsh. Uh, no Welsh sides can qualify despite the competition name. Uh, it's a quick run through of our selected games and uh, we're going to highlight a few of our highlights, I think. Uh, first of all, Northampton Saints versus Harlequins is on BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD and that's on Friday night at 7.45pm. That will be brilliant because it's on BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. Uh, Saints have got all the momentum uh, and a win would secure top spot for them. Quinns, what are they fighting for? Well, Quinns are the only perfect team so far. So they need one more point to secure their home semi-final. Then they're in. They're in. <laughs> they're in. So it's they're a big in. battle, that one. It's a good game. The, the second game, uh, Wasps against Leicester Tigers, comes down a little bit to what happens um, uh, the day before Newcastle. with Newcastle. Yeah. Wasps obviously got thrashed by London Irish with a weakened side uh, last week. So uh, Leicester will know going into the game whether they need a win to, to qualify. but um, Whether they not. Or, or, or whether or not. Yeah. So anyway, that's on uh, Wasps versus Leicester Tigers, BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD, Sunday at 1pm. I'll be watching that uh, in front of the fire with a nice glass of red, hopefully. Uh, thanks, uh, Ben, and thanks to you as well for listening. Next week on the Rugby Tonight podcast, myself and Ben will be here again to take you through the fallout of the first weekend of the Six Nations. Ben will be tired. He's been travelling to Italy. He'll be coming back. When he will Rome. be when in Rome, Rodney, when in Rome. And we'll be looking forward to the return of the Premiership. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get it delivered to your device every Thursday morning. And if you've enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 